there are all these engineering students out there who are working on things that could unleash something terrible on the world, but it could also be something that's wonderful for the world. Should we be optimistic or pessimistic about the direction technology is taking us? The technology is going to be invented no matter what. You can't stop it. I'm just optimistic that the good will win. How do we educate the next generation of innovators to have a well-developed social conscience? Educating engineers to be engineers only is criminal. Don't you see the danger, John, inherent in what you're doing here? Genetic power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a, a kid that's found his dad's gun. Should technology companies be self-regulating? If the field itself does not take some leadership, I think that's when regulation comes in in a very heavy-handed way. Our guest is Persis Drell, provost of Stanford University. Monstrous Technologies, coming up on Philosophy Talk. Holding hands at midnight the starry sky nice work if you can get it and you can get it if you try will new technologies like artificial intelligence and bioengineering be the salvation of humankind or will they destroy our bodies our democratic institutions and even our planet and who is going to control the technologies of the future this is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Josh Landy. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from Simex Auditorium on the Stanford campus. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner, where Ken teaches philosophy, and I direct the Philosophy and Literature Initiative. Welcome, everyone, to Philosophy Talk. <laughs> Today, we're thinking about monstrous technologies as part of Stanford University's Frankenstein at 200 project. Monstrous technologies? That's a strong word, Ken. Well, Josh, come on, look. I love my iPhone, but got to admit, smartphones are causing an epidemic of distraction, insomnia, and depression. That, that seems pretty monstrous to me. And that's just techno panic, Ken. Techno who? Look, 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 people are always freaking out about the latest technological invention, you know, like the printing press, the mechanized loom, newspapers, electricity. It always turns out there was never anything to worry about. Oh, Josh, come on. Tell that to the inhabitants of Chernobyl or Fukushima or, or, or the victims of asbestos poisoning or, or, or all those thalidomide babies. You're a big literary guy. It's just like Mary uh, Shelley says in her novel Frankenstein that we're thinking about. Technology can be deadly. Look, you've watched too many Frankenstein movies, Ken. The, the, novel, the novel is a lot more subtle and sophisticated than you or Hollywood are making it out to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that novel, it's not just some Luddite screed against the, you know, the horrors of technology. I mean, look, it's, it's a philosophical investigation into personal identity. It's a, it's a brilliant experiment with literary form. It's an exploration of deeply buried antisocial impulses. I mean, that novel... Oh, man, no, you're forgetting the main thing, Josh. It's about also about a technological marvel that runs around killing people. You <laughs> left that out. All right, all right, fair point. But remember that great scene in the novel where the creature learns about language. 
he calls language a godlike science. And, and writing, writing, he says, opens up a field for wonder and delight. Oh, Joshua, waxing so poetic, a big deal. Well, not just a big deal. Writing is a technology, and it's among the greatest technologies ever invented. The novel celebrates that kind of technology, and, and we should too. Oh, look, Josh, look, look, look. I, I love writing too. I mean, that, that's why I spend hours and hours writing myself. It's not just because I have writer's block. It's because <laughs> I love writing. I even love other people's writing. I love reading your writing, Josh. <laughs> But, you know, even a technology as glorious and as powerful as writing has its downside. Look, no writing, no Mein Kampf, no Mein Kampf, no World War II, QED. Technology can be busted. Uh, Godwin's law can... Uh, look, look, look. It, it's not the technology of writing that was responsible for Mein Kampf. You know, it's the guy who wrote it, and it's the people who read and, and believed it. I mean, you, you can't blame technology for what people do with the technology. You have to blame the people. But you're missing my point, Josh. Technology is often designed, explicitly designed, to exploit human weaknesses. Why, why do you use your iPhone so much? Because it's a drug, Josh. And so is social media. And social media is driving people to suicide, and it's ruining our democracy. Sounds like you don't trust people very much to handle their own technology. Why, why should I? Well, okay, but what, what do you want? You want the government to intervene? I mean, that's paternalism. Look, look if I want to waste my time watching cat videos on, on Facebook, that's my business. No, no, Josh, it's not just your business. My life is impacted by your choices. Their lives are impacted by your choices. Facebook and its addicted adult users, they're destroying our democracy, my democracy. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to defend Facebook. Well, that's good. <laughs> but, but, but the question still remains. Right? How can we prevent all the negative outcomes, the monstrous outcomes, without losing all the benefits? And how can we have the good outcomes without resorting to paternalism and, and stifling individual freedom? But that's a good question, Josh. I, it's a good question, but I, I think the answer is kind of obvious. Technology producers and designers have to take on some of the responsibility. They have to do a better job of predicting, compensating for the effects of their inventions. And, 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 and they have to care. They have to care about more than just creating cool, fun gadgets and, you know, making a bunch of money. Yeah, and pigs have to fly. Well, look, if producers refuse to regulate themselves, well, then the rest of us will just have to make them an offer they can't refuse. What? Oh, don't take me wrong. I'm, I'm talking about changing the incentive structure. Oh, okay, so taxes, regulations. Or that social kind of shaming, maybe. Yeah. Well, look, I agree we've got to do something. If we don't do anything, nightmare scenarios may well be around the corner. I agree with you. That we're going to start seeing things like on Black Mirror. Right, right. That's a great TV show. But, but you know, how much of that show is pure fiction, and how much of it is future reality? Well, as it happens, Ken, we asked our roving philosophical reporter, Liza Veal, to find out. She files this report. If you've seen the show Black Mirror, you've wondered, how crazy is this stuff? Total fantasy? 50 years away? 10 years away? Dylan Hendricks works at the Institute for the Future. He takes the technology in Black Mirror very seriously. It is something that internally within our culture, like everybody watches Black Mirror and has opinions about it. So how do the futurists weigh in? One quick example, the show features these hyper-capable robot guard dogs. Those exist already. Hendricks bets that soon they'll be available commercially, and we'll have to decide how to regulate them. This next example is a little more complicated. 
Well, it's been tested though, right? Of I mean, course. It's not like a guinea pig. Yes, it's all fully tested, perfectly safe. In the episode Archangel, a brain implant allows a mother to monitor her child, her location, her vital signs, even her vision. Tap this icon here mm -hmm. to relay her optic feed. This is what she's seeing now? That's right. Whoa. <laughs> That's amazing. And there are parental controls you can apply to that. Uh, controls? Content limitations. If she witnesses something that causes her cortisol levels to rise, like stress, it can kind of paint out whatever's triggering it. Hendrix says this chip has a lot of realistic elements. Smartphones can act as GPS trackers if we want them to. Even the more far-fetched elements, like the idea of viewing the world through the child's eyes, is not so crazy. We have some of the technology to capture images directly from the optical nerve, translate and broadcast them. But the core of this episode is relatable on a basic level. The temptation of parents to know everything a child's going through at every moment is more or less kind of a realistic, even sort of present day kind of choice for parents. As a society, we have the technology to surveil and control our children more than we ever did. So we face a question. Are children allowed to make mistakes? Isn't that a part of growing up? And if you stop them from making mistakes, will they make bigger mistakes later? Hendrick's last example is about virtual reality. Exit game. He says the highly convincing VR we see in Black Mirror, it's not that unrealistic. We've already reached a turning point where they're very compelling, that people will want to spend more time in simulated environments. But Hendrix is an optimist. He sees possibilities in VR. For example, he says if we can't stop humans from doing bad things to each other in real life, then maybe we can channel that antisocial behavior into virtual reality. Here's an example that might be a little hard to swallow. If you could prove that sexual assault in the real world went down because of these kind of simulations existing, is that simulation not then kind of a public good, right? Like if, we, if it turns out we can't fully deter behavior, but we could channel it into something where it's less destructive to real people's lives. Hendrick says this question will only become more pressing, and it doesn't just apply to VR. Does this technology have more potential to encourage impulses towards antisocial behavior or mitigate the consequences of it? Dylan Hendricks is asking these questions. So are parents, so are some technologists. But who has the final say? For Philosophy Talk, I'm Liza Veal. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.